and welcome to episode 5 of And Why Not, the film podcast from the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Moraine and this week I was joined by John Tucker to talk about the documentary The Barkley Marathons, uh, The Race That Eats Its Young. Uh, it's a film I'd not seen before, um, it's available on Netflix if you want to check it out. Um, I really enjoyed watching it and I really enjoyed talking with John about it and uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy listening to us talk about it um, and if you don't, deal with it I guess. Uh, yeah, there's a slight error issue at the end. About five minutes from the end, the sound drops out. The Skype call on John's end, the Wi-Fi dropped out, so I lost him. Um, but then we picked it up separately, so there might be a bit of an awkward edit. But other than that, hopefully everything ran smoothly. And um, yeah, hopefully, like I say, you guys enjoy listening to me and John talk about the film. And uh, I shall pass you back over to pass me and pass John and roll the theme music. John. Hello, how are we? All right? I'm all right. Yourself? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Well, how's things? Uh, pretty good, yeah. Um, I just think, what have I been up to? Uh, well, I haven't been on a podcast for a couple of weeks, so I thought I'd just tap you up because, uh, you know, I well, was... People uh, forget what you sound like otherwise. Yeah, exactly. People uh, people forget the sound of my voice, which um, I haven't complimented on in the past. I haven't, but, you know... <laughs> She's got a thing like Black Books with Fran where she like to listen to the guy doing the shipping forecast. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, who's got that surly Welsh voice on the podcast? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> right, so what's this then? White comics? No, this one This is the other one. The, right, uh, so. the and why not? So And why not, right. So we're, we're talking film instead of comics. Oh, film, right. Okay. And, uh, yes, uh, you picked the film. Again, it was one I hadn't seen before. Yeah. Uh, but I have now seen it, because I find that helps to talk about it. It does make it easier, yeah. So, and uh, yeah, out of the list of three, we uh, picked the Barkley Marathons. The, the Barkley Marathons. Yes, we did. Um, yeah, uh, so what did you think of it, first of all? Uh, I really liked it. Like I say, it's not a film I think I would have watched if I was scrolling through Netflix. Mm. But now that I have seen it, it's pretty much everything I love in a documentary. Yeah, I'm. I'm a big. I'm. A, I'm big into documentaries. I am like most of my favorite films are documentaries. Um, like I, I would say, like, uh, like have, you, have you ever seen the um, uh, the uh, when we were kings, the yes, Rumble in the, the Jungle documentary? Yeah. That's probably my favorite film. I would say that's, you know, all things considered, I'd say that's probably my favorite. And uh, you know, like Paris is Burning is a firm favorite. Uh, things like that. Have you ever seen that? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So I went yeah. through a stage where I was watching shitload of Um One day in September was always one of my favorites. Oh yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So yeah, I'm um, no, I'm big into documentaries, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I I first saw the Barclay a couple of years ago. Um, and I, I like it was one. It was one of those things. I, I knew I'd be interested in it because I'm not really interested in like sports or you know, like I'm not really interested in boxing. But I love when we were kings. And someone said that this was, you know, sort of in the same vein. 
And uh, no, I remember seeing it a few years ago and just being absolutely transfixed by it. And uh, for some reason, it never seems to have come off Netflix. So I've, I've seen it a good few times over the last few years. And uh, no, I think it's a remarkable film. I think it's, uh, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. So um, for people who don't know, it's a race based on a prison escape, isn't it? The the 1977 James Earl Ray escape, yeah. yeah. James Earl Ray famously, the man who assassinated Martin Luther King, um, escaped from Brushy Mountain Penitentiary, I think. Yeah. Brushy yeah, Mountain State Penitentiary right. um, in Petros, Tennessee, near Knoxville, which is a prison high up in the mountains in the woods. And uh, James Earl Ray and a couple of other convicts uh, escaped. And... You know, they thought, oh, we'll pick him up in a couple of hours because it's dense forestry and they're up in the mountains and miles away from anyone. But a few hours turned into a few days and, you know, there was a, it, was, it turned into a, a quite a serious manhunt. I think it was after 54 hours they found him and he'd only got about eight miles away. Yeah. And uh, that yeah, caught the... been running in circles, and pretty much. Yeah, they said he was a beaten man when they found him. He was, you know, exhausted and frightened, you know, because, you know, the terrain. They said, you know, you can beat the prison, but you won't beat the mountain because it's the, the terrain is just so unforgiving and rough and the weather is, you know, it produces its own weather. And uh, this caught the attention of Lazarus Lake, who is a Tennessee ultra runner, like one of the original, you know, because ultra running is, you know, a niche within a niche, like of of people who are into running, you know, like, you know, now, like, everybody knows someone now who's done a marathon. But in, like, the 70s, like, running as a sport wasn't what it is now. And doing a marathon wasn't what it is now. And then to go even further than that, like, ultra running, what we now know as ultra running, wasn't, you know, it, it certainly wasn't um, at the level it is now. And it's still, you know, obviously, it's it's of limited appeal now. So back in the day, um, Lazarus Lake was a which is a pseudonym, of course, um, is now this old crotchety old bloke who runs the Barkley Marathons. And he heard about this in the 1970s and he knew the area because they'd all been hiking up around it, him and his friends. And he said, uh, he said, why, why I could have made, I could have made it a hundred miles in, in that time. You know, like he's just this old crotchety bloke. I, I can't really do the voice, but like, he said, you know, I could have made 100 miles in, in the time that James Earl Ray had a lot of rubbish. And they built the race around the idea that James Earl Ray didn't get very far. That's it. Which you find out at the end, he never would have made it 100 miles. <laughs> no, they did ask him, did you ever do it? Oh, no. Not even close. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> but yeah, but, um, no, it's, yeah. I, it, sorry, go on. What were you going to say? I was just, just the whole setup of the race is a genius idea. I love the thing about tearing a page out of the book that corresponds to your race number to prove you've done that circuit. Yeah, so there's eight eight books around the course, and you've got to rip your bib numbers page out of every book because there's no there's no checkpoints, there's no chip timers, you're not allowed a GPS watch, you're not even allowed an altimeter, you're allowed a compass. Your copy of one map, they make one map to distribute to everybody. And um, I mean, the, the thing about because the thing is, if you look at like um, uh, like ultra marathons around the world, like they've all got this like they've all got something that's unique about them that makes them like famously like, the famous races have all got something about them that makes them like uniquely difficult. So like the marathon to Sava is, you know, through the desert. So that is, you know, the, the heat is what gets you there. And then you've got like uh, the Hard Rock 100 in Colorado. So you've got the altitude that gets you. And then you've got like the Western States 100 in California, which is, again, terrain and heat. Um, 
the western the western states 100 is an interesting one actually because um uh, that started as a horse race the western states 100 it was a 100 mile horse race and then somebody at some point said i think i could probably beat a horse on foot and they were like no you couldn't he said no i could and he had a go and he didn't do it but then someone else said no he said he saw how close this other guy got i was like <laughs> no no fuck that i could definitely do that no let me race against the horses and then in the end, there are no more horses. It's a, it's just a foot race now. It evolved from a horse race into a foot race because people kept seeing people get close enough to beat the horses. And we're like, no, fuck it. I want to have a go at beating the horses. So um, the Western States 100, if you win the Western States 100, which is very hard to get into, um, you get this like gold belt buckle of a cowboy on a horse. It is the most pimp thing you can win. Uh, at a race uh, you can show me any medal you like i don't give a fuck the 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 pinnacle thing you can win on this earth is a western states 100 belt buckle right but it's you know it's a it's a hard race to get into right and you know and again it's the terrain and everything the thing that makes the barkley hard is lazarus lake you know yeah like, he is the you know he is the reason why you know i mean and the, the course is hell like the which i'm sure we'll get to in a minute but he like he, his sort of like devious streak, you know, is 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 like the notable thing that you've got to get around when you do the Barkley because they say like the course changes every year, but it's all he says it's always twenty miles a loop because it's five loops around this mountain, but you've got to go one way, one time, and then another way, another, and then it's day, and then it's night. They don't tell you when the race is going to start. They only give you an hour's notice. You know, you've got to you've got to know how to get in. It's not it's, this isn't a race you can apply for on the internet and get into. No, six. Yeah. He has that great line, doesn't he? About if you can't find the thing to apply, then the Barkley race isn't. Oh, you're not meant to do it. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you can't figure out how to get here, you don't belong here. You know, because you've got to write an essay saying why you want to be in the Barkley, and like the application form is a closely guarded secret. Like nobody, I don't think anybody who's like not uh, done the Barkley or been connected has ever seen it. Um, and you know, you know, obviously, people who have applied and not been successful, but it's not available publicly, and no previous application forms are available publicly. But previous entrants have said there's like maths questions and you know lateral thinking. And they said it's like, it's like a cross between like a job interview and a college exam, you know. And it costs a dollar sixty to apply, which makes it one of the cheapest races in the world because you know these ultra running things. You know, ultra, you, you would think that ultra running would be like a, a cheap sport to participate in, wouldn't you? But it is by and large quite expensive because the race fees are huge to get into some of these races and you've got to have all this equipment, all this stuff behind you to do to to survive out there. You know, you've got to have all this kit. But um the Barclay is dollar a dollar sixty to apply. That's it. It's a dollar sixty and then they've got three different entry things, haven't they? So virgins have to bring a license plate from their home state or country. A car, yeah, a car license plate, yeah. That's it. Um, the veterans have to bring, it's usually night with clothing, isn't it? So it was socks until he realised he had enough socks and it was shirts. Yeah, it's whatever Lazarus Lake needs for the winter. <laughs> and then for the alumni, they have to bring a pack of camel filter cigarettes. And a, uh, and a thing of Dr Pepper. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I, I would say like Lazarus Lake, the fellow who organises it, is, I, I would say, in his like, late 50s, early 60s. At least, he's this, yeah, yeah, he's got this big scraggly beard, and he is the st- he is the star of the Barclay Marathons. Is that picture M- C six Steve, and you're on the right sort of? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, much as uh, much as Muhammad Ali was the star of uh, When We Were Kings, 
you know, um, Lazarus Lake is the Muhammad Ali of um, the Barclay Marathons because he is the central character, I would say. Like, yeah. it's, it, I wouldn't say it's his story, but he is like the hook. He is what's going to get you interested from the get-go, you know? And, you know, they focus on him in the beginning a lot because obviously it's his race and he's probably the best person to explain it. But even his explanations, you're never quite sure what he, you know, if what he's saying he strictly believes you know what i mean like yeah he, he doesn't even take responsibility for the barkley he says it's um that it's mad dog's idea and then mad dog says oh no it's not me it's him and you know neither of them can agree on whose idea it was in the first place you know what i mean but it's it, it's it's a it's a remarkable shaggy dog story if nothing else you know but uh yeah no I, he is like i i'd say lazarus lake is uh is the star of the barkley marathons i would say yeah, definitely. And I just love the footage as well of him sitting at the checkpoint, the yellow gate, waiting for people mm. to come back. Yeah, was and it like, frozen? You know, frozen trying to talk him out of yeah, trying to talk him out of quitting. Yeah, because that's it. Yeah, it's it's five loops, twenty miles essentially a loop, but it's really more like twenty six. Everyone says it's not twenty, and um, it's through you know like briar patches that rip their legs to shreds like they come back looking like the passions of the christ like they yeah. are shredded and you know they said that if you complete all five loops of the barkley um it's the elevation equivalent of climbing and descending mount everest twice yeah. and you've got 60 hours to do five loops of yeah, this so they describe the first three loops as a fun run don't they the first three loops of the fun run and yeah. the five loops are the uh, that is the real and true Barclay because originally because there's a there's a, like a companion book to the Barclay um called Tales from Out There written by Frozen Ed Furzor who's in the film um he wrote this like definitive guidebook to the Barclay and it's who was there every year what happened every year like all the stories that they kind of allude to in it you know about someone being out there for 32 hours and only covering two miles you know Dan Bagley on being out there for 32 hours all that stuff is in this this book by Ed Furton. And it's you know, if if you're interested in the Barkley Marathons or just, you know, interested in the story of it and the folklore of it, it's definitely worth a read. Um but um yeah, like he uh, he covers a lot of that in there. And you know, they said that the first couple of times that you know, obviously the first however many times they ran it, the the winner was the person who won the fun run. You know? Yeah. Like the, the fun run was considered the race. They thought the hundred miles was a joke because they didn't think it was possible until Mark Williams comes over. I think it's Mark Williams in 1995. Yeah. It started running in 1986. Yeah, they said Mark Williams was like the fast show guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it started running in um, 86, the Barclay. And a couple of people did the fun run, the three looper thing. And the, the five loops was considered a joke because they didn't think anyone would ever do it in time. Um, but the fact that it was a joke was lost on Mark Williams, who wasn't friends with any of them, didn't know any of the history of the Barclay. He heard there was a 100-mile race in Tennessee that was billed as the hardest race in the world. So he came out and he did it. <laughs> he just did it, you know? And once someone had done it, that was it, you know? Then the race was on to, to improve on the time and to get more people through it. But, you know, even now, like, I think the last time they ran it was earlier in the year, no winners. Most years is no winners. You know? Yeah, because up to the point of the documentary, there were 10, weren't there, in the first 25 years? Yeah, Brett Mound was the last one who was in the Barclay Marathons. And then, you know, spoilers, obviously, but three people, it is three people, isn't it, make it in this documentary? Yeah, yeah. Three, three people completed. I mean, because they said. One guy the... breaks the record for doing it the fastest, doesn't he? 
That was Brett Mahon, yeah. That's right. The, the guy who brought the who, I think that record still stands. Jared Campbell did it, who um, was there for the first time. And there was um, like a grad student um, called John Favorizzi. Yeah. And uh, he, it, I would say, if, if, if Lazarus Lake is kind of like the narrator of the Barkley Marathons, it's, it's John Favorizzi's story, you know? The, the film is about this this young man who's come here from you know he's like an he's like a researcher in Antarctica and you know he's he's like you know like a, a, like a college student you know what I mean like he's like a like a, a you know, graduate student like doing a bit of teaching and all the rest of it but he, but he arrives and it's his first time and um you know while you've got these these two fairly accomplished ultra runners who are vying for the record this John Fiverzi is just trying to survive it you know what I mean and that's it. That bit where he comes back and takes his shoes and socks off. Yeah, and, and it looks like he's got trench his blister, foot. and it's oh. yeah. Well, <laughs> at, at that point, I'd be like, nope, I'm out. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, you look at that, like you look at that Wouter, that German who, uh, who who came over, who tapped out after two loops, and he took his shoes off, and it looked like it looked like he had fucking trench foot. Yeah. You know, because like you, you see them go out on these loops, but you you don't really. Like the, the the film deliberately doesn't really show you the it shows you the scale of the mountains. There's some very nice aerial shots of the area, and it shows you some little close ups of things. But this is all by design because they're the only film crew that's been allowed in to film the Barkley and to film the course because the the course itself is like a protected secret. Yeah, like because I don't know if you noticed earlier on that when they showed people passing around the master map, the the route was blurred. It was pixelated yeah. out. You know, because that is how protective they are. But they can't have people knowing what to expect before they arrive. You know, that's insane in itself as well. That you get the big map oh, yeah. and it's like you've got like an hour to draw your version of this. Well, the <laughs> thing is, thing, I, 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 is he gives I, I do understand the the logic behind that. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, well, Lazarus Lake said, if anyone's got any questions about it, the time to ask it is while you're making your map, not while you're out on the course, not while you are, you know, sixteen miles away from base camp not knowing where the fuck you are or what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like the time to ask is now before you leave. So I do understand that it is, it is like another subtle cruelty enacted by Lazarus Lake. You know what I mean? Like, which I would say like that is his true talent. I would say is these little acts of like, I, I don't want to say sadism, but just like, like, like wry cruelty. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's weirdly encouraging with his cruelty though. Yeah, it's like, and like egging people on to carry on. It's like you're yeah, like, you know, you're like one loop away from the glory of doing it, kind of thing. Yeah, you got like, four no, hours. Can't. You might feel better, you know. And there's like this is the guy who's got trench foot. That's what you, that's what you said that to. You know, you got four yeah. hours. You might feel better. And he took his shoe off, and it was just dead skin, just dead skin, waterlogged, dead skin, nothing but, you know. And uh, but yeah, he is encouraging, and like. And everybody who knows, like they, they spoke to that guy who knows him at the very beginning, and he said, "I don't even like the man, but I love him." Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like it, he's like a true original, like a real character. Do you know what I mean? Like, and like he's been involved in like Tennessee running for years. Because there, there was a wonderful story a few years ago. Um, there was a fellow, I forget his name, but he was running across America, right? And uh, so he started in like. Um, I think he started in Vermont or something, and he was going across to, to Washington over on the West Coast. Um, and Lazarus Lake got wind of this. And he said, uh, he said, I was watching 
the the photographs coming back of this guy and he was doing cartwheels and he was playing with children at the side of the road you know what I mean he was doing like an, he was like showing all these photographs of himself running across america and he said and he looked he looked he looked great he looked really you know positive and upbeat so lazarus lake thought fuck it he's not doing it properly so he <laughs> him and his wife got in their camper van and they followed him to make sure because because lazarus lake thought he's getting assistance he's he's either being driven some of the way by his crew or you know something's going on because he shouldn't be looking this clean and lazarus lake turned up like three weeks into this supposed run across america two days later the guy was admitted into hospital with exhaustion because <laughs> laz dogged him for miles in his camper van just to make sure that he was on the straight and narrow do you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> you know like and it's, it's stuff like that. You think, oh, what a dick. But but then, no, you know what? Like, If you're going to say you're running across America, then you should have to do it, you know? And yeah. it, should, it should be painful. And, you, you know, I mean, I'm I you know I, I'm very fond of Lazarus Lake. You know what I mean? I, I think he's a marvellous character, you know? I, I think, you know, you couldn't write someone like him, I don't think. No, he's the kind of person, if you put him in a script, if you're like, no one's ever going to buy that. That's a no, nobody would ever believe it. But that's the thing is, that is what I think I love about the Barkley Marathons. And in much the same way, it's what I really liked about When We Were Kings. Because the, the thing about When We Were Kings is, like, if you wrote that as a script, the, even, the, um, like, Bundini Brown in When We Were Kings even says this, you know, this, this is real, this is not a Hollywood script. You know, you couldn't write this because nobody would believe it. This whole thing about Muhammad Ali saying, I'm going to dance, he's not going to be able to lay a glove on me. And then he just lay, waits there and waits for Foreman to tire himself out. And then he just pushes him over, you know, like the yeah. rope, the rope dope. You know what I mean? You couldn't write it because it would just be so ridiculous. You know what I mean? It was, it was so ridiculous even that the Simpsons made a joke of it, you yeah. know, that you couldn't push, you couldn't beat Homer Simpson because he could take so much abuse. You know, and then he end, ended up Mo having to carry him off with a, you know, with a propeller jetpack or whatever, you know. But um, you know, like you wouldn't believe it, and much, and, and I think it's the same with the Barkley Marathon. Like, and they were so lucky to have caught them on the year that they caught them because, um, yeah, definitely. If it had been a year either side, it would have been a very different film. Like that, the the year they had them, they had the record broken, and they had that wonderful, like you know, underdog story of this newcomer, that John Fugversy, just just arriving a broken man but he did it you know what i mean like i i, 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 was, I was wholly invested in john by the end the bit where he's going through yeah. the tunnel where the water is and you can see him stop and look to make sure try and find a way where he doesn't have to go into the water yeah and you just hear him go oh, i really didn't want to get my feet wet yeah that's it <laughs> and it's like I, just that line you're like oh you are so fucking broken by this boy yeah i said you but things you do and you feel for him you know and even if he didn't because he relays a story that he does this because you know um uh, his father tragically passed away shortly after retirement and didn't get to do all the wonderful things he'd saved up to do that's with it his, that's with what his mother about when that's the voiceover isn't it when he's in the tunnel yeah and he said you can't wait you've got to grab life by the horns and take advantage of it now and you know like if they'd been a year either side they'd have missed all that they'd have missed yeah. it all because you know you you genuinely you couldn't you couldn't have written a better story for them to catch than, well, so, I than mean, that. that like say that bit in the tunnel you can just that is the point where he's seriously considering quitting just because he doesn't want to get his feet wet yeah but you got but and, and thing is and people who are listening to this now thinking oh don't want to get his feet wet whatever it, this this man is on hour 52 out of you know out of a limit of 60 and he's had no sleep and he's run 110 miles by this point and his feet are shredded and his feet covered are shredded. in powder and 
blisters. Yeah, exactly. And he's, to cut his feet to drain the blisters. And... Yeah, he's, uh, the Barkley Marathons is it's when we were kings. It's rocky. It's you know it's every it's every good feel good like sport film. It's every good sport documentary rolled into one. I would say, and and another thing that I really really like about the Barkley Marathons is like, the, like the 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 like the, the the cinematography and the way it's presented is an extension of what the Barkley is. Do you know what I mean? Because I think if someone like you know if uh, uh, like if someone had gone in and said right, you know, the, because the Barkley is set in a genuinely stunning part of the world. Yeah, you know, like these vast mountains and these huge trees and these, you know, these, you know, like the landmarks, you know, like that, that bit they've got to climb up and, you know, it's basically vertical, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's all briars and it's agony, do you know what I mean? Like this, this suffering that they put themselves through, you know, the temptation would be to make the blood on their legs pop and to make the sky really overbearing. But the Barclay colour-wise is very flat. You know, it's a very grey film. It's grey and brown and you know it's it is it hasn't been like enhanced to for dramatic effect it, like the over bit like you know like when you're out on the course and it's just this wall of like gray around you that sense is kind of running through the whole film like there's no big pops of color there's no the, like, I'd, I'd say probably the biggest strike of color is the yellow gray yellow gate the yellow gate yeah the yellow gate is the only pop of color in the whole thing and you know and you know, I don't want to go too film school about it, but I think it was such. I think it was a really interesting choice that they kept it looking so drab. Yeah. You know, like, and I think that was that was a smart move in conveying how easy it is to get lost in the woods. You know, because it all just blends into one. And when you're 50 hours awake and you've been running for miles and running for hours, like, of course you're going to get lost, and of course you're going to see things that aren't there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, I yeah, I think it was a, I think it was a remarkable piece of filmmaking. You know, like, and I, and I think about it often. Like, I, I'm very interested in like, you know, stories about real people. You know what I mean? And like, you know, so like documentaries like Paris is Burning, and like, um, God, yeah, and like, um, you know, Vice have made some very good documentaries um, in this regard as well. Like they did that Swansea love story about the heroin epidemic here. Yeah. And they did um, the UK scariest debt collector about that. Um, that Sean Smith. Have you seen that one? <laughs> I've not seen that one. I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. For, you know, it, it, they're marvelous, but they're they're horrible, but they're also very charming. You know what I mean? They're they're, they're frightening, but they're but they're thrilling and they're charming as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and it's it's this sort of like fly on the wall. Stuff, you know, like, you know, I love this. Like, anyone who's, you know, anyone who's had the misfortune of reading one of my comics knows that I love like natural dialogue, fly on the wall shit. I, lo- I love all that. I love the way people talk to each other. I love like, you know, like the rice smiles and the little nods and the winks. You know, that kind of. I love all that anyway. But I think like I, the the Barclay is, you know, it, it is a remarkable achievement because it captures all that like that camaraderie between. The people who are running it, the people who are, you know, behind the scenes, you know, like it captures all that stuff. And yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I, I do, I do think about the Barclay often, you know, because it is a remarkable piece of storytelling. Yeah, it's. I, I would have no interest in ever attempting that race, but I'd love to go and hang around at base camp. <laughs> now, see, that's the difference. I, I would, I, I would love to try the Barclay. I would love to. Yeah, I know. I'd probably crumble. 
before I'd got that far oh, away from the yellow I gate. I wouldn't manage a loop. I wouldn't manage a loop. The, the first I've ever run is a half marathon, and that was on flat terrain. I don't think I could ever... Um, I would never manage a full marathon in Barclay terrain with no checkpoints, no markers, you know, just grabbing books out of plastic bags, which are hidden under rocks, you know, <laughs> you know, running under a prison, which until 2009 was active. So, you know, the guards were turning people around at gunpoint in years yeah. gone by, you know, um, no, but the, but the thing is, there's the Barclay marathons and there's also now there's the Barclay fall classic. I don't know if you've read about this. Um, oh, no. Uh, so there's the Barclay Marathons, which I think is in the spring. I think it's in the spring. Um, but they also do uh, something now called the Fall Classic, because basically I think um, uh, like the the Tennessee County that the Barclays in, like Frozen, the people responsible for um, like Frozen Head National Park, I think they were um, possibly a little bit miffed that the Barclay had attracted all this attention and they weren't really making any money off it. So you know there really isn't any money to make at the Barclay because entrance is a dollar sixty or you know a flannel shirt for lads for the winter you know yeah. so what are they going to do they're going what are they going to do take some of his cigarettes off him no they're not um, but I, th- I think um, as like a compromise because they were originally talking about taxing the Barclay or banning it outright so I think uh, Lazarus Lake came to an agreement with them that they would run the Fall Classic which charges I think two hundred dollars to enter and it's op- open thing there's no entry no funny business you know as anyone can enter um but all the money from that goes to um like uh, track and field and sporting activities for the schools in the area yeah so they, they make thousands and they, they give it all away and um the four classic and it, you know this is you know for anyone who's seen the film will understand immediately that this is a textbook lazarus lake move it is one loop of the barclay right so it's for people who just want to taste so you go through the prison like everyone else, you know, there's the, you know, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit friendlier on people, you know, who are just coming to try it out. Like there's, I think there's some marking on the course and then they let a lot more people in because the Barclay only lets 40 people in a year. And one of those is the sacrificial lamb who they know is going to fail just to yeah. make everybody else feel better. Um, but they let hundreds of people try the full classic. And uh, once you've done, uh, I think it's... See, I'd uh, be the sacrificial lamb. <laughs> Yeah, so would I. <laughs> People worth it to have a go, wouldn't it? I mean, but you get you do the so you do twenty miles, and you come you, you come up to Laz, who is waiting at the top of the road, the road that leads down to the Yellow Gate, and he says, uh, "You've got you've got a decision to make." He says, "You can either go down that road and tap the Yellow Gate, and you haven't got to run anymore. You're finished, right? Or you can go up that hill to your right, and you can do another ten miles." Um, but you've got two hours to do it and then you've got to get back to the yellow gate. And if you do that, you get the medal, you get the t-shirt and you've officially finished, but you can't change your mind once you've made your decision. So what's it going to be? So you've got to decide after all that hell, all that mayhem, do I just want to get it over with and get it out of the way and go down, tap the yellow gate and say that I've had a go, or do I want to go for the full, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like the thing at the end of bullseye. Like, do you want to, do you want to take the, uh, (laughs) Do you want to take the cheese grater and the, VC- and the VCR, or do you want to have a try for the caravan? Do you know what I mean? It's like, do you want just the a... boat that you can have in the middle of Birmingham? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, you know, so that's that's like a classic, like Laz mind game. Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, so like there is like a companion race to the Barclay now, and there's also I would say there is a companion film to the Barclay marathons. I would say there is. You know, like I said, like if they if they'd recorded, if they'd filmed the Barclay Marathons on another year, it would have been a very different 
possibly a lot darker film. Oh yeah, there's the one with the ginger runner, isn't it? With yes, where dreams go. Where dreams go to die, featuring Gary Robbins. I I was wondering if you'd uh, if you caught this. I've read about it. I've not seen it yet. I'm not sure if it's. I, if if you enjoyed the Barkley Marathons and you felt it was a you know a heartwarming story, um, this is the film to watch if you want to see what happens on the Barclays off years. If you want to see what the true scale of human misery that the Barclay is capable of delivering on the poor bastards who put themselves through it, um, where dreams go to die by the Ginger Runner on YouTube is worth a watch. Um, it's Gary Robbins, who um, looks like an egg with a big ginger beard. Um, he is like a well-known ultra runner. Um, and he, he finally... looks like the guy from Sightseers, doesn't he? Yes, he yeah. does look like the guy from Sightseers, yeah. <laughs> but he finally gets into the Barclay, right? So him and his mate, uh, who is the ginger, you know, they're both ginger, but one of them's the ginger with the camera and one of them's the bald ginger one running. And um, so he gets into the Barclay. And like the Barclay obviously is like no filming, no nothing, right? So they, it's all done from base camp, right? So he gets there and he meets up with Jared Campbell, who ran Barclay for the first time in the film in the 2012 year. And him and Jared do it together because you know, you've got a veteran and a virgin together, ideal combination, right? But they get there and uh, first thing they find out is that the the way the Barclay's been running for years since time immemorial, um, it's still the same thing. Like the race can start at any time between 11 p.m. and 8 a.m. the next morning or whatever it is. And you get an hour's notice when Laz blows on a conch shell. <laughs> <laughs> so you can get you can get six hours sleep or you can get one. And you don't know what you're going to get until you hear that horn blow. Or if you're feeling nervous, you don't get any sleep at all. So, you know, so there's that being thrown into the mix. Anyway, that's every year. But they get there and they find out that the whole system of two loops counterclockwise and then two loops clockwise and then, you know, both going out on their own for the final loop, that's out the window. And now it is a washing machine. It is one clockwise, one counterclockwise, one clock. So all the previous Barclay tips and stuff it's all for nothing now all the previous uh, all the you know all the previous races it's a new format they've changed it and i think they changed it last minute like late in the day so that that threw them onto the onto the wrong foot so they're going around and him and that jared they're going around they're collecting pages from these books and these books by the way have got titles like what have i you know what have i got myself into um lost in the woods damned hell on earth you know like needling little titles you know what i mean and uh, so they're off and they make it to loop five. And uh, if more than one person gets to loop five, which often they don't, um, whoever gets there first decides which way clockwise or anti-clockwise they want to go. And then the other person has to go the other way. So they can't go together. So Jared goes one way and this uh, Gary Robbins goes the other. Jared comes back. He completes his five loops. Perfect. Done. And the 60 hour time limit is coming. Right. So, uh, I think Gary went counterclockwise, so he goes uh, no clockwise, so he goes down the hill from the gate, and um, it's coming up to sixty hours, and like at fifty-nine hours, fifty-nine minutes or something, they see him coming back the way he went, like up the hill, right. and he looks absolutely beaten, right, and he comes up and he taps the gate, and he says, "I couldn't find the last book." I couldn't, you know, I could, you know, I struck, I got lost. I couldn't find it, right? So everyone looks at Lazarus Lake. Like, what are we going to do? 
and Lazarus, you know, the, the, he touches the yellow gate, and the time is 60 hours and six seconds. And, and Lazarus says he came the wrong way and he was late. He didn't do it. And they, and they tapped him. They played fucking taps. He was six seconds over time and he got lost and, and did an extra like four miles or whatever it was to get back to the gate. Six seconds too late. Tap him. <laughs> and, they, and this guy is playing taps on the fucking bugle, right? So he's like... <laughs> and it cuts to this fucking bloke's face. And I have never seen anyone look more gutted in my entire life. It is, like, honest to God, like, they couldn't, again, they couldn't have written it. He was six seconds too late, and he came the wrong way. And then a couple of people were like, oh, well, that's a load of bullshit. He should have been allowed. And Lazarus, like, released a statement. He said, look, he said, he said, we're not having this because I don't like this idea that the, the Barclay doesn't have a course. It's not orienteering. It's not find your own way. You go one way and you arrive the other, and that's the end of it. And he was over time and he didn't have all the stuff, so that's it. He, he didn't do it. He put on a great show, but he didn't complete the Barclay, right? And then yeah. he goes back. He goes back the year after to try again. And what's the title of the first book he finds? The title of the book is Six Seconds. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he fucks up too, and he didn't do it then. But uh, you know. I would say, yeah, where dreams go to die, that that like that is, I would say that is the that is the opposite side of the coin. You know, the Barclay Marathons, you know, the race that eats its young, is this remarkable document of this, you know, ridiculous race. And you know, is it the hardest on earth? Who knows, right? But you know, in many ways, it is because it's the least predictable. You know, it's you've got to be more self reliant than you do in other races and all this other stuff. Um, but it is ultimately a story of, of essentially one man triumphing over the elements, you know, because the other two were pretty much nailed on to complete it anyway. Yeah. You know, you've got, you've got a former hard rock 100 winner and you've got someone who beat the record, you know, who, uh, won comfortably the year before who was out for the record. Do you know what I mean? So it, that was really, yeah, that was John Figverese's story, but then you've got where dreams go to die featuring Gary Robbins and that look on his face when they start blowing on that fucking bugle will I will never forget that face for as long as I live I have seen I have seen shit you wouldn't believe and that is the most distraught I've ever seen a human being in my entire life ever so if you're into the Barclay marathons if you like the idea or you like the film definitely watch the companion piece um, where dreams go to die Imagine how much worse he'd felt if he'd had the page from the book. He'd come back the right way and missed it by six seconds. <laughs> I don't know. That would have the kind of person who'd be kind of like, no, he didn't do it. <laughs> well, he didn't. The, the time limit is six hours. That's you know, it. And the thing is, is, is sixty hours. So it's like, where do you draw the line? Well, we draw the line at sixty hours, and you came the wrong way. And you didn't have all the stuff. Sorry, blow the fucking bugle. You're out. And that whole thing put... of playing taps as well. The... The joy oh. some people have at wanting to hear taps play. Oh, I know. I know. And it always sounds like shit because it's, you can tell that bugle is like 100 years old. You can <laughs> hear it gurgling. It's a fucking shitty old bugle. Oh, my God. Like, I, I, you know, I, and, and you, know the, you know, the other thing I really, I really li- liked about it was that, like, you know, you've got Brett Mahon, uh, you've got um, Jared Campbell, and uh, John Fugversy, right? 
um, all the stars of a well-regarded film about you know a sport that's reasonably popular and the Barkley is like you know like a well-regarded like curiosity in like the running world and it's also like a little bit like mainstream famous as like a tough race because of the film yeah yeah um John Figverisi is still working at the University of Arizona as a as a tutor you know he's still working on like uh, climate change which is what he was doing when he was running the Barclay. If you go on his Twitter account, I think he's got like 3,000 followers or something like that. And he's, you know, he's just, he's living his life. He's he's doing what he was doing then. He's still on the same career path. He's not sponsored by Reebok. He hasn't got like a, you can't buy like a John Figverisi jersey. You know, he's not doing public appearances. He is still a civilian in a way that someone, you know, if, if you, you know, because if you, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, if you won, like, an Olympic gold medal in something, which I would say that winning the Barclay is, you know, I'm not saying it's harder than winning an Olympic medal, but a lot fewer people have done it, you know? Yeah, definitely. People know the names of of Olympic medal, of gold medalists, you know, people, and especially in their home country. But John Figverisi is really, you know, only known to people who've seen the film and the people who are, like, you know, Barclay scholars, they're just normal people, you know, in a way that like, and I think that's, I, you know, and not, you know, not to go into like all the, you know, oh, there's too much money in sports, blah, 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 right. But, you know, I, I do think it's good that these people were, they really were doing it for their own satisfaction, you know? Yeah, definitely. It was to prove something to themselves and it was for their own personal, vindic- you know, for their own personal, you know, um, you know, to, you know to, to validate themselves. It wasn't, there wasn't big money on the line. They didn't win anything. You don't win it. That's the other thing. You don't win anything. You get a t shirt. <laughs> There's no medal even. There used to be a trophy, but then someone lost it or stole it and they never bothered to replace it. <laughs> There's nothing. There is no, the, your name goes in the books as having completed the Barclay. And that's it. That's all you get. And you get the respect of people who, you know, who who know about such things, you know? But, I mean, that I would say is, you know, uh, that that's the, the really impressive part of it to me. Like, you know, I, I know, like, Jared Campbell like, won, like, the Hard Rock 100 and all that other stuff. And I think I think he might be, like, if he's not a pro, then I think he's, like, semi-pro. But John Figverisi wasn't, you know? And I think that that was something that, was, that really struck me about that, is that that was that, was re- that was that one man's personal thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's no remarkable film. Remarkable. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, it's on Netflix as well for people who do want to check it out. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Um, Where Dreams Go to Die, which is the uh, human horror um, follow-up story about Gary Robbins. That's on YouTube, um, and it, it and it's well produced, and it looks like a movie. You know, like um, that that is very much about Gary Robbins' road to the bar. It's not about the bar. It's about Gary Robbins. But the Barkley features heavily in it because the Barkley basically chews him up and spits him out at the end. <laughs> so it's definitely worth a watch. Um, the the book uh, Tales from Out There by Frozen Ed Furtor is worth a read. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I I don't know how many people are going to be as like, you know, uh, you know, um, in, enticed by the 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 law of the Barkley marathons as I am, but what I will say right, is that if you are one of these people who is into like, you know, um, Dungeons and Dragons or Critical Role or any stuff like that, right, the Barkley really should appeal to you, right, because it is this 
monumental, hugely unlikely test of your wits and endurance. And there is basically like a little goblin you've got to like say the right words to to be allowed in, you know, like, you know, like there are, there is like a sort of magical, there is, there is sort of like a weird magic to the Barclay, you know, like you've got to know someone who can get you an application form. And there's this old man with a beard, and you've got to answer his say, questions. It's approved by an old man with a beard. So. Yeah, who's going to ask you some questions, and you've got to bring him some items. It's a fucking RPG, you know. So if <laughs> he you stands are... by a gate, chain smoking. Yeah, literally, he stood there with a the gate. They're all all he needs is a robe and a pipe instead of a flannel shirt and a cigarette. You know, it's just an updated RPG story. You know what I mean? Like it's to choose your own adventure, except the adventure is horrible and it chews up your body and it makes you feel sick. But. <laughs> You know, I love like, the hodgepodge nature of it as well. Like the bugle player, he's just kind of like, oh, you can play the bugle. I've got a job for you. <laughs> yeah, like they just, but that's it. They just find people they know and they rope them in, you know. And so, like, there's one guy he found out he could play the bugle, so he start he plays taps. And then one year he figured out that he could get these people to bring him shirts that he needed for the winter. <laughs> and all of a sudden, that is an entry requirement. If you want to run the party, bring me a shirt. You I know? do love that. Where it was like it was white socks for years, but then I had so many white socks that I didn't need white socks yeah. anymore. So. And then, and then it was white shirts, and I got enough white shirts. Now it's uh, flannel shirts until I get enough of these. You know, it's just, and then it's just people just bringing him these bags and bags of flannel shirts. You know, <laughs> oh god, like I honestly, like I, I, I can't say enough good things about the Barkley Marathons. Like you know, I. I there, there's plenty of films like I I feel like I could have I could have picked to talk about on this like um I, I'm sure a lot of people expected me to talk about being frank but I'm not going to be that fucking predictable um I got to be know, honest I was expecting that to be one on course one you were. the list <laughs> yeah yeah no um no trust me people are going to be seeing plenty of frank for me in October so I thought you know give you a break well that's um, why I thought that's possibly what you'd have gone for. <laughs> No, no, no. But like, I could. Well, I, I, I was like, he just wants to plug his October. He just wants to talk about Frank Sidebottom again. Jesus Christ! Yeah, and, and plug uh, his drawing project. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, I could have talked about. I could have talked about the Sting. You know, like you know, I've loved that film since I was a teenager. You know, uh, Paris is Burning. Uh, you know, any number of films. You know, I could have talked about. But I like. I don't know. Just something about the Barclay. It just. It just lodged itself in there somewhere and i i just keep coming back to it you know what i mean i can completely see why you love it and why you picked it from watching it yeah just something there's, very there's nothing new about like it. it yeah and there's nothing like it is it press that way that's how we make comic cons stand out in future now well i have like a really like 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 byzantine yeah, like... uh entry requirements <laughs> so no longer have a thing online people just you know if you if you're meant to be at Troobes, you'll find it. Yeah, and bring me a shirt. <laughs> we'll find an empty prison somewhere in the woods. Yeah. Or, well, but that's the thing. Like, It's only been empty the last 10 years. It was active. I know, that whole thing about, you know, <laughs> we, we, you know we, were, we were directed away by guards with guns. That's it. It's terrifying, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, no, I think, I, think there's, uh, I, I think there's things that Troobes could borrow from the Barclay Marathons. And I, I think I think it would it would it would stand a lot of people in good stead to watch um, the Barclay Marathons because even though it's true and it really happens, and 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 another thing like the, like some documentaries, I think you get the sense that they've been almost like reality television. They've been massaged to deliver yeah. the narrative that was want that was wanting. But with the Barclay, that you 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 can't do that. You can't 
massage the narrative of the Barclay because you were at the mercy of the woods. You know, so what happened that year? That was the one year they were allowed to come and film. Like they said that you've got it, whatever you want, you've got to get it this year. Although, you know, we're never doing this again. This is the one film that's going to exist about the Barclay, and that is it. Because he said we don't want people knowing too much about the the route or you know or anything. So you know, um, they had what they had, and they just happened to catch lightning in the bottle and catch this remarkable year with these remarkable stories and these wonderful people. You know, I, I think, and it's you know, it's such a great story. You know, like. I'm not saying someone should try and turn it into a comic because I think uh, a comic about a 60-hour foot race might be a little dry, but <laughs> it's a remark. It's a remarkable film. Although you could and... have tear out pages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When when you finished it, rip it out and then bring it back to me, <laughs> and I'll tell you whether you read it properly. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a place in a place called Barclay. Maybe I could incorporate that into Troops. <laughs> Do a so. special Barclay edition. Yeah, but well, the edition of troops. There is the danger that people will just be running around ripping pages out of people's comics off their tables. Yeah. So and you pay for me? Nope. Yeah, and it lasts for 60 hours. <laughs> 60 hour endurance con. <laughs> well, this con's are like that start. now. <laughs> well, that's also true, yeah. That's a lot of cons I've been to. It lasts way too long. You don't know when it's going to start, and you're going to come away feeling drained and beaten. <laughs> <laughs> With trench foot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's true believers. This February first. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me. Oh. <laughs> it's got a horrible feeling now. People are just going to turn up and just start ripping pages out of books. Well, is they? I'm gonna. I am gonna be at True Believers this February, right? <coughs> if, if if anybody comes along, right. If anybody comes along with a decent Lazarus Lake cosplay, you can have anything you want off my table. Anything at all. Except the cash box. You can have anything. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody cosplays as Lazarus Lake, you can have whatever you want. Anything. Because I'm, I'm dying to see it. And it's an easy one to do if you've got a beard and a pair of yeah, glasses. Yeah, so true. Yeah. But yeah, no, remarkable. Actually, remarkable character in a remarkable film. I'll just pretend I'm doing an endurance run and then he'll come and make sure I'm doing it properly and we can get him at the event. Yeah, yeah. Or Well, I mean, he he did walk across America himself um, last year. He he walked from, from the East Coast to the West Coast and uh, it took him like, a couple of months to do, but he did it. And when they said, why are you doing this? He said, um, I've, I've heard that marijuana is legal in Washington now, but I can't afford to fly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the reason for doing anything in life. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> but awesome. Cheers for that, man. And cheers for recommending it as well. I really enjoyed it. So. Oh, thank you for having me. No, I mean, well, is the, if, if people who know me, um, especially people who work with me, um, I will come in every couple of months, um, basically chapping on doors like a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, it's either the Barclay Marathons. I think you should leave Frank Sidebottom. Like I get a new thing every couple of months that I start evangelizing about. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't struggle to to talk about uh, the Barclay Marathons because uh, it did leave a sizable impression on me, as, as you can probably tell. Yeah, I, I recommended it to a guy at work today who's a runner. Mm. But he does but those it's... ones where you run up and down a building, the inside, obviously, not the outside. Oh, what, the staircase ones? Yeah. God, that's that's 
that's fucking psycho shit. That is <laughs> that, and like, I I don't even think the Barkley marathons are psycho shit. But run, the, those like staircase marathons, that is full psycho mode. That is Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, my Netflix. You need to go and watch this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, but yeah, because I I remember sticking it on, and um, like you know, my wife you know didn't d- didn't think she'd like it. I you know I was, just, I was watching, it, she was like, oh god, what's this? But by the end of it, she was hooked. You know what I mean? Like, and and that's been the case with a lot with a lot of people who've uh, watched it. Like they said, I started watching that thing you recommended, and at first I thought, oh god, but you know, by the end of it, they were fully taken with it. So. um yeah, no, I think you know it's it's one of those films that like you, you would skip it on a you know on like a, a pass through Netflix. You know, I, I don't think it's the kind of thing that that would necessarily jump out at, um, at like the general population. But um, I don't I don't think you have to be into running to enjoy the film. Uh, I don't think you have to be into sports or into. I think you just have to be interested in in people. I think it's it's a it's a film about people and about you know overcoming remarkable odds which is you know which i say is a fairly universal theme you know i say it like you say it's a great feel-good movie as well it's brutal mm. at times not you know as brutal as possibly where dreams go to die would be no but, but it is brutal like i say watching john sort of break and then go beyond being broken and carry on going and that sort of thing and even yeah. seeing some of the ones who come back and even though they seem surprisingly upbeat about it you can tell they're devastated <laughs> Well, that that the, yeah, that that German guy, that Wouter, who said, "Oh, it's time for taps," and they played him off, and he walked away with tears in his eyes. You know yeah, right? and you think like he, you know, he's just he, he doesn't have to do this anymore. He, he did he didn't have to do any of it. They all, you know, none of them were being made to do it at gunpoint, right? Because they come they come here from all over the world to try it out, and um, but he walked away, and even though he was obviously in such tremendous pain, and there must have been the relief of not having to go out again, but the, you know there was. You know, he was he was tearing up. You know, and you know, and that is the remarkable thing about it. You know, is that, you know, um, you know, they've they've come all this way, and yeah, you know, the ones who fall short, you do feel for them. You really do. Even if they look okay about it, you can tell they're gutted, and you do feel for them because even though they're, you know, they they know they do know that our, you know if they invite forty people there, the chances of two of them making making it to the last loop, slim to none. You yeah. Know? I say even the sacrificial lamb's fucking broken. Again, he's surprisingly upbeat about it, but you can just sort of hear it in his voice. Yeah, but the thing is, you, you can you, but you is it? There's little hints that they know this, like scattered throughout the film. Like you know, there's there's forty runners and five loops, and some of those books clearly don't have two hundred pages in. No, you know, and well, they well, no, they'd need they need four hundred pages if they're double sided, wouldn't they? So yeah. you know, you you can they know that they're not that. The vast majority of them are going to fail, and they do regard it as failing. And you can tell the runners, you know, like like they said, like some runners think that doing one loop of the Barclay is an achievement of a lifetime, and to them it is. But if you don't do all five, you have failed. And you know, and I think that's the that that is I think that is what that's that's probably what makes it so appealing, you know, because like you said, you know, they get so many people who've achieved these remarkable things who just keep coming to the Barclay because. They, you know, they're goal-oriented people, and if there's not a significant chance of failing, then what have you really achieved? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but, I mean, I love the thing that when you get in, it's not congratulations you've got in. It's you know, we regret to inform you that you've succeeded. Yeah, you get a condolence letter. We regret to inform letter. you you have been accepted into the Barclay. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's re- remarkable. But yeah, no, I could um, I could quite easily barrel on about the Barclay for for several hours. <laughs> but um, no, I'd recommend anybody watch it. And if you like it, yeah, um, Tales from Out There by Frozen Ed Furtor and Where Dreams Go to Die by The Ginger Runner on YouTube, which I think I'm going to watch tonight now. I think I'm going to watch that fucking... Going to watch that guy die on camera, like just die inside. Fuck. You know? <laughs> no, I'm going. I'm definitely going to watch that one as well. Um, I'll put the links and everything in the show notes. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, so before you go, then, where can people yeah. find you online? Oh God, where can people find me online? Um, uh, yeah, if you go to johntucker.co.uk, that's my website. Um, uh, I'm, I'm working on another book at the moment. Um, so there's nothing really new from me at the time. This is the epic book, isn't it? Or you know, yeah, this is uh, yeah, this is my Barclay Marathons uh, graphic novel. No one steal my idea. Um, but I say that the the place where I'm most active uh, and where I'm sort of most clearly brain damaged is on Twitter. If you go to at John Tucker Art on Twitter, I'm on there. And for the month of October, as we alluded to earlier. I'm going to be running Franktober, which is a Frank Sidebottom-themed Inktober project. So it's going to be one poorly drawn image of Frank Sidebottom every single day for the entirety of October. So if that's uh, if that's up your alley, uh, go and have a look at that if you want. You don't have I'm to. Really looking forward Doesn't to that. Doesn't matter. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, me too. I mean, it, a lot of it's been a lot of it's been like pre-prepared in advance. And also, um, if you're an Inktober purist, and you know, because I understand, you know, a lot of it's been prepared. It's all been digitally because I work digitally. And I understand you. Know, if you're an Inktober purist, maybe that'll bother you. But um, my main thing would be, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it because it really doesn't matter. I would say is the main takeaway there. Really doesn't matter at all how it's been done. All those drawing projects, as long as you're drawing, fuck it. Who cares how you're doing it? What I would say about Inktober is, um, you know, if you are an Inktober purist, uh, I would suggest uh, maybe maybe investigating something else to do. You know what I mean? Like. Um, so don't reply to my tweets about this. Don't reply to my tweets anyway, I would say, unless you're absolutely sure you've got some A-plus material in the canon. Um, don't reply to my tweets, and don't reply to me about Inktober. But Franktober, that's going to be running all October. And also, um, don't use uh, EE's home Wi-Fi, um, which has ruined your enjoyment of this podcast, <laughs> almost certainly. I know, I'm going to have to do some extra editing now. Fucking blinking yellow light hits me right while I'm in the middle of ranting about my awful followers on Twitter. <laughs> Fuck me. Unbelievable. But yeah, so that's Franktober, uh, Frank Sidebottom themed Inktober. Uh, that's going to be running October 1st to whenever October ends. So like sometime in the middle of November. I'm not really sure of the details. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it ends been, when it ends. God it ends it. when it ends, exactly. Um, yeah, a lot of it's been pre-prepared because I'm going to be on holiday for the first two weeks of October. So, I mean, feel free to reply to my posts during that time because they're all automated and I won't see any of your responses. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's all it's, it's all been like lined up and scheduled in advance. So, yeah, cool. should be good. Awesome. Mm. Well, yeah, I'm sure. Like I say, I'm looking forward to seeing those. Uh, I think it was you actually put me on to Frank, the film. So, Oh, yeah, that's, the last time I was on. That's two documentaries now, Eve. Well, I'll probably be back on in a couple of weeks, and I'll think, have a think about the next one. Well, again, man, if you ever want to come <laughs> back on to talk about one of the other films... Next Wednesday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, I'm on holiday. No. Ah. <laughs> we'll sort something out. But, but yeah, I'll, long... I'll Skype in from Japan, such is my lust to be on podcasts. <laughs> oh, we can do a 
Ah, oh, we'll have to do Lost in Translation, surely. Oh, fuck that film, man. <laughs> fuck that. Ugh. Oh, my goodness. What a fucking waste. So that's Lost in Translation covered. <laughs> in- Lost in Translation or Instagram-, Instagram the movie. Get <laughs> fucked. Oh, I hated it. Did you- were you into that, were you? Uh, when it came out, I really liked it. and then Yeah, so did I. You yeah. hit a certain point where you're just kind of, oh, this is... I mean, yeah, aged yeah. terribly. I've yeah, I've I've aged out of the film. I think I might catch it again one day and sort of be enamoured with it, like I was the first time I watched it. But yeah, might circle back around to it. You know, you never know. I mean, yeah, it's, I've, it's I've kind I've, of like I've, that Garden State twee kind of. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It was very, very like obvious. We're all time. into an early two thousands, and yeah, exactly. We were all listening to the Shins. You know That's what I mean. It. Yeah, we all, all wearing po- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. Oh, dear. <sighs> lost in translation then, yeah, right, as soon so, as I get back. So that's that's lost in translation covered. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a bonus episode. <laughs> there we have done. Stick that on the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, I should do that, shouldn't I? Just 100% like patron support is over by just putting out one-minute episodes. <laughs> That's more than some people do. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I um, must admit, I've I've not sort of dabbled into the world of Patreon yet. I've seen people that do it. <laughs> I mean, I've been pretty lucky. I mean, I, cause I, at the moment, I'm only I'm only following I'm only following Casey Green and Drill. But um, actually, Drill never posts anything. But I, I did get his book for free, so that felt like something. I know he's working on like a longer form book. Um, but um, yeah, no. I, you hear about one. You hear about these ones all the time, where it's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to be running this Patreon and that, and uh, you know, they post like twice, and then after like six months, they post, well, it's over, and like they haven't, they haven't done anything for six months. Do you know what I mean? It was a weird thing. It probably still is running. That it was cosplayers using Patreon a lot. I've heard of that. I have heard of that. Now, I I, I think if you're into cosplaying, right, and if, if you are running like, you know, here's my cosplay, and like here's a bit of like how to make it. I get that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that it tends to be the ones of get this picture without the pasties covering the nipples kind of yeah. by supporting yeah. my patron at the thirty pound tier. Well, you know, like it, you know, if if that is if that's what you want to spend your money on, you know what I mean? Like if you want to see that specific person dressed as um uh fucking uh what's the fucking guy's name from Resident Evil Two? Oh fuck knows. <laughs> yeah. Dressed as like a you know, gender swapped <laughs> that guy um with like a nipple out you know if that's worth 30 pound to you it's it's whatever the market will will endure in it you know what i mean yeah i mean um, if if you found a way to get people to give you money for very little then more power to you but (laughs) yeah if you're selling your bath water and people are buying it then that is a hundred percent fucking you you're not to be faulted for that that's the system that's failed Perhaps you should set up a Patreon where you just get sent flannel shirts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the sock level, the flannel shirt level. Yeah. yeah. If you send me a flannel, a flannel shirt and £10, I'll take a picture of me wearing it. <laughs> With pasties. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on that enduring mental image. And on that bombshell. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me on again. Um, so we've done Lost in Translation. Uh yeah, probably back on a couple of weeks now. <laughs> I'm going to edit all the Barkley Marathon stuff out and just put the uh, Lost in Translation thing on. Oh, God, yeah. Put that up as the teaser. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Awesome. Cheers, John. Right. Cheers. Thank you very much. And that was the Barclay Marathons. Uh, I'd like to thank John again for being on the episode. Um, in case you missed John's links for where you can find him online, I'll put them all in the show notes at the end, along with some links to the things that were mentioned, uh, the book, the uh, Where Dreams Go to Die documentary, all that sort of thing will be in the show notes. Um, if you are interested in finding me online, you can find myself and the Nerds Who Haunted Themselves, etc. on Facebook. So Nerds Who Haunted Themselves is www.facebook.com forward slash haunted nerds. Uh, Twitter, we're on the at OK True Believers site. You can find all the past episodes plus comics and troops news and that on the OK True Believers website, which is OKTrueBelievers.com. Uh, or you can find us on Podbean at hauntednerds.podbean.com. And if you want to follow me online, uh, you can find me on Twitter as at TokenNerd, on Instagram as Stuart Thinks He Can Draw, which is Stuart underscore thinks underscore he underscore can underscore draw, and on Facebook as Stuart Can't Draw. Um, again, I'll put all those in the show notes just in case you're curious. Um, and not sure what's coming next week yet because I've recorded this one pretty early, so. I've got a couple of things lined up, so we'll see which one of those comes together. Um, in the meantime, I think that's pretty much all of the housekeeping on this one. Uh, like I say, you can find the film on Netflix if you have that. I highly recommend checking it out, even if you're not into sport movies or running movies. It's not particularly my sort of thing, but uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's a really good film. Um, and like I say, thanks again to John for recommending it and for coming on to talk about it. Uh, and until next time, this has been a Nerds Who Haunted Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. And until the next episode, uh, yeah, go out and watch some awesome movies. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>